Nintendo. Another season, and this one uh, feels oh so different from where we were. The last time we talked on the podcast, it was right after basketball season came to a conclusion. Long spring and summer, but Biz, we are back and we are ready for football. How are you? Wonderful. Like you said, ready for football. And, uh, it's been almost two years since we've been to Kinnick for a, a real legitimate football game, Trent. And the last time I spent that long away from Kinnick, uh, I think I was a toddler. So, uh, Pumped up and ready to get back to Kinnick this weekend. Biz, there isn't anybody that likes tailgating, hanging out, swapping the same stories we've been talking now for a quarter century more than you did. So take us back. How difficult was last football season with no tailgating for you? You know, honestly, it wasn't that difficult. I mean, it was disappointing, but, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be more difficult, honestly, if I knew everybody else was out there tailgating and, and I was missing out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously uh, – you made the best of a bad situation, and it helped that Iowa turned it around and had a, uh, you know, a positive season and, and, a, and a really good end of the year. Also, that that made things a little more, uh, a little more bearable. But you know, to sit here and say that it made my life miserable—that that, that would be that would be an exaggeration. But I, I'm certainly uh, definitely ready to get back to it. It gives you, a, it gives you an appreciation for those uh, those times that we do get get there. I know. Uh, you know, you kind of take those things for granted when you've, been, when you've had season tickets for 20-some years and they get taken away from you. It makes you realize just how, how lucky we are to get to go to Kinnick and uh, cheer on the Hawks uh, once again. That's something that, you know, I've had the daydreams as I'm sitting here and talking about the Hawkeyes away from my job and, and talking about the games. It's just that experience. And I still, the first time I walk into Kinnick Stadium every single year, I still get the chills. I still get goosebumps. There's something about the environment. It's something about growing up in Iowa and just everything that it all encompasses. And like you said, not being able to be there last season, the crazy year that it was coming through a, a pandemic, and hopefully we hope better on the backside of everything. All these things together, but just thinking about that moment, thinking about what the crowd's going to be like, thinking about, with the good help of our favorite lawyer, getting to crack open a beer in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday afternoon, all of it encompassed together. I got goosebumps right now just talking about it. Well, especially this year, Trent, because this uh, this might be the best opener of our uh, yeah. of our adult lives. I mean, very rarely do we uh, challenge ourselves with this kind of a an opener. And most years, I think you and I would probably agree that we'd prefer not to have a a tough opener and prefer not to be playing a Big Ten game to start the year, but. This year, with the unique circumstances and with everything that's gone on, I'm I'm all in on on starting with a difficult opponent and, and having a a Big Ten game as well. It's uh, it really it's kind of a perfect storm of circumstances. The weather looks good for Saturday. Uh, it's uh, you know Indiana is going to be a heck of an opponent, but uh, you know as we'll as we'll talk to about it coming up here, I assume I think we're up to the challenge. I'm really excited to see what this team can do. Let's talk a little bit about this team, and let's start. You were at the Kids' Day practice a couple of Saturdays back, so you got to see things from the reports, from some of the things that I know you had uh, texted our group. Spencer Petras, he looked to be the guy at the quarterback spot. The biggest offseason question, at least for now, looks like it's been answered. I thought he looked really, really good on Kids' Day, but, you know, 
you have to take all the observations from Kids Day with a grain of salt because it was you know, two and a half weeks ago, and it was only their sixth or seventh practice. But just from a, a comfort level and an accuracy level, he looked significantly better than he, than he did you know a year ago. I just thought his his command of the of the team looked really really good that day. He made all the right reads. He made a couple really nice deep throws. He made a great pass to to Bruce and another uh, wheel route to to Goodson. Um, throws that he, I don't think he makes a year ago. He he would have probably overthrown him by five six yards like we like we saw a lot last year. And you know, I just thought his his decision making and comfort level looked really really good. Um, and you know, not not to knock the other two quarterbacks, but just night and day difference compared to, to Padilla and Hogan. I just neither of them looked very comfortable at all, and their decision making, at least that day, wasn't very good. So, um, you know, anybody that was at the kids' day, I think, came away realizing, you know, there's no race at all for the quarterback position. Petrus was was significantly better than those two that day, and let's hope that uh, translates over to uh, the next uh, next twelve Saturdays. That's the hope. I still have concerns. I want to see it. It's one thing doing it in a red jersey, doing it in a practice. We saw plenty of pants-crapping moments out of Spencer Peters. The Nebraska throw still just haunts me every single time I think about him at the quarterback spot. And I've always just been intrigued by Padilla, a guy that can move around a little bit more. Not that statuesque quarterback, but a guy that, no, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he can move around. That's not the case with Spencer Peters. Alas, Peters could throw the football better, and, and let's see. An offseason, one thing we did also learn this offseason is last year, of course, everything was truncated. They started up camp, then the season was canceled, then it came back. Everything was off. But even during the summertime, Spencer Peters wasn't able to practice. I think it was 32 days that he was not be able to meet with guys because of quarantine, because of measures and contacts that they had. And because of that, that's a lot of developmental time. Of course, he didn't get a spring in 2020 as well. So there are a lot of things that you can point to, some positives. You want to be more optimistic than your boy Trent, you can certainly do that with Petrus. Well, I think I'm more optimistic than you when it comes to Petrus, but I'm also realistic when it comes to Petrus. He has never played in front of a uh, hostile crowd, um, and I'm sure he's going to struggle in those situations. But I do think you know, the way he ended last year, and like you said, he's finally gotten to put in a full spring and now a full – fall camp, I just, you know, I, I'm optimistic he is going to be an above-average quarterback. But, uh, you know, do I think he's going to be, you know, a Heisman candidate? Absolutely not. I mean, he, he, he's – but I think he has the skills and he, he certainly has the, the arm strength and, and the size to be a, a you know, an above-average to good Big Ten quarterback. So, you know, I also – the other part of – when you look at the offense at the kids' day, I mean, it's hard to to state just how good Tyler Goodson is nowadays. You really can't. Uh, he was just amazing. I mean, he didn't play all that much in, in uh, Kids Day, but when he did, I mean, he's just at a different level than most running backs we've had over the last last decade or so. I mean, I think he has a chance to be. You know, he was all Big Ten good last year. I think he has a chance to be you know all American good this year. He just his vision plus his 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 pacing is just amazing to me. I mean, he just, he does a really nice job of being patient and then exploding and hitting the hole. So, you know, I'm sure you watched the Nebraska game last week and I just watching that Nebraska, Illinois game, 
the big takeaway for me in that game is that neither of those two teams had any playmakers. I mean, Oliver Martin might have been the best playmaker on, on either side of the ball for those two teams. And, you know, just looking at kids' day, watching that day, get excited because, I mean, we've got some, some playmakers. I mean, Goodson's, Goodson's a playmaker. Tracy's definitely a playmaker. I, I thought Josiah Meeman at the tight end position showed he's got some skills. And, and you know, obviously uh, Laporte is a playmaker. I, I just think we've got some we've got some talent on the offensive side of the ball that, you know, some years you go into it and you think, uh, where in the world are we going to make plays at? And, and I think I'm confident this year there'll be plays to be made. Just a question of uh, can we capitalize and make them when they're there. Biz, all these positives in offense, something we rarely talk about in August, that leads to the defense. There has to be concerns there, and not with the back seven, it's the front four. When you see an offense playing this well, maybe as well as they played in any of these open kids' day practices, what does that say to you about the defensive line? How concerned are you? Well, not only the D-line, but but the O-line also. I mean, <laughs> you look at both lines, at the end of Kids Day, the people that started at Kids Day, there was a total of zero starts at the offensive tackle position and defensive tackle positions that day. Um, since Kids Day, they switched back to to Jake Plum or to um, Plum at, at left tackle, which means I think he has what two, two career yep. starts. But uh, I mean, there's some definite concerns at both the O line and, and D line because a we're really really young in those areas, and B, we're just not that big. I mean, I don't think we have a single defensive lineman that weighs 300 pounds, so we're just we're not going to have that space eater in there that we've we've had in the past. But it's not to say there's not a lot of potential uh, on both sides of the line, but uh, they're going to have to prove themselves. So, you know, it, it's you know, if you remember last year, the first game of the year, we Purdue ran the ball down our throat. Yeah. And Purdue is not a running team. They ended up being a woefully bad running team. But, you know, that's, you know, Indiana was a bad running team last year. But I definitely have some concerns that, uh, at least early in the year, teams are going to be able to run the ball on us pretty well. So, you know, but having said that, we've we've basically uh, started a defensive line from scratch every year the last few years now, and it's worked out pretty well. So, you know, you and I have talked about it in the past. When it comes to defense, it's kind of a, uh, in Phil Parker, you trust. They, they, they find ways to just make to fill those holes. So, um, yeah, but it's, it was definitely a concern at spring day. The, the defensive line did not look very good. But, but Noah Shannon was not playing that day either, and, and I think he will, will certainly uh, help having him healthy because, uh, you know, the, the two defensive linemen that started that day were uh, – Logan Lee and, and Van Ness, and I think both of them weigh maybe 280. So there's not a lot of uh, space eaters there. So a lot of people, and myself included, have kind of made this comparison looking back to the 2005 Iowa team. Came in with big expectations. They were preseason number 11 that year. Lost early to Iowa State. Lost a couple games late, and they finished 7-4 and four in the regular season and lost in the Outback Bowl to Florida. People are pointing to that because of the defensive line. One difference, though, with that 2005 team compared to this one, yes, that was a very green defensive line that season, but it was incredibly young. In fact, you look through here, the guys that were listed and played that season along the defensive line. You had Mitch King, Matt Kroll, they were both freshmen. Kenny Webema, he was a sophomore. The Big Human was a sophomore. You go through Ryan Bain early in his career, he was a freshman. They didn't have any upperclassmen, juniors or seniors, that even played significant snaps on the defensive line. Though this might not be a dynamic defensive line, 
there's at least a little experience. There's been guys that have been in the program. You mentioned Noah Shannon, Van Bulkenberg. We saw what he could do last year. And then he had the hope for those youngsters from a Logan Lee to a Yaya Black. Wagoners played a lot of snaps. Joe Evans, a specialist. So the experience is a lot different at the very least compared to 2005. And I think the depth is better also. I think we've just done a better job of, you know, years past, you know, you remember the 09, 2010 team, those are some of the best D lines I was ever had. But by the end of the year, that D line was completely gassed just because we had no backups for them. And, you know, I'm not saying the backups are great, but guys like Deontay Craig and, and like you said, I mean, pronounce it the Yaya or Y Black over this. I mean, those guys are really talented. I mean, they're they're inexperienced, but they can, you know, can they come in and play 15, 20, 25 snaps a game? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think we've done a better job of building some depth along lines, both lines, offense and defense. So, you know, are there going to be some bumps in the road along the line? Yeah, but but I don't think it's going to be, you know, I, I think. I think by the middle of the year, I think both of those, both lines will be all right. It's just the problem is, you know, we don't have that room for, uh, you know, you don't have those first game or two to, to get to get your feet under you this year. You got to be you got to be ready on snap one because uh, Indiana is a good football team, as as everybody's been telling you all week. The uh, pronunciation guy says Y A Black, like Y A Tittle. You had it. You had that one right. Anything else from Kids Day, Biz? No, I mean, I want to get into, like, you touched on it a little bit, but what are the expectations for this team, Trent? I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, just my, I guess in general, walking away from Kids Day and just, you know, season hasn't started yet, so I've probably got my, my rose-colored glasses on a little bit, but, uh, you know, my expectations are pretty darn high for this team. I, I, I don't know if you read the article by Michael Loss out of the Gazette, but the way he described it was this is a no-excuses season. It's time for the team to, uh, you know, Time seems to step up and, and win the West. And that's, I don't think that's asking too much out of this team. I think they're fully capable of doing it. Um, but, you know, I think the expectations should be high for this team. I'm right there with you. And the time is now because they've been on the precipice. They have been right there on the doorstep so many times since the 2015 and just haven't been able to break through, be it a stupid loss to a Purdue or a Northwestern or just leaving games out there. And there's been plenty of those. The time is now. You beat Wisconsin to slay that dragon played very well against them two years in a row now. The opportunity is there to surpass them. Northwestern's had their run two of the last three years getting there. But, yeah, it's time to break through. The time is now. I think the pieces are on place, too. But also, old memories die hard. So, expectations. Right now, I think they're going to be good. Nine and three, eight and four, right in that range. I still don't think they're going to be great. And the reason, something we opened with, the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say it really comes down to him. If, if this team is going to be great, he's going to have to be great, or at least above average. And I think he can. I really do. I mean, I think that's where you and I probably differ on this season is I think he can be a, a good, very good quarterback. And I think you, you, you know, probably rightfully so, you're, you're hesitant and need to see it on the field first. But, uh, you know, I think he can do it and – Again, it's probably me with rose-colored glasses before the season starts. But I just seeing him on Kids Day, he looked like a, a different quarterback. He just his accuracy was better, his comfort level was better. Um, you know, I I, I don't. Know. I, I think I'm, maybe I'm in the minority when I when I'm when I say I'm a Spencer Peters fan. But uh, right now, I am at least. Right now, I am. All right. Well, you put Stat Boy to work. 
Shits has been chomping at the bit, I can only assume, throughout the summer without any podcast to dig deep into the information. What did Stat Boy dig out this week? Well, I gave him double duty because he's, he's been – we gave him, obviously, the summer off, so I figured we put him to work this week. So first assignment, Trent, you know, we talked about expectations and you talked about how close this team has been recently. You know, I went back and looked. I just kind of had Stat Boy look into the last few years, and you realize, honestly, we're in one of the best stretches that Iowa's had ever when you look back at the last three years. You know, so I had Stat Boy look into it. Um, and just to see how, how how good or how close we've been the last three years. Are you ready to dig into it? Last three years. All right, getting the mindset. All right, ready to go. So we are right now, we have going into this year, we've had three straight bowl wins, three straight seasons where we ended the season ranked, and this will be our third straight season where we're starting the season ranked. How often has that ever happened in the Iowa history, Trent? I Guess one time. Go to the 80s. You're close, but it's actually never happened. Oh, wow. There's never been a time where we've won three consecutive bowls, ended the season ranked, and started the next season ranked. So we've been close a bunch of times. So first of all, you start with the bowls. I didn't realize this but in our history. We have only won, had a streak of three straight bowl wins one other time in history. Do you remember when it was? Three straight bowl wins. No, no. It was a, I'll give you a hint. It was the same quarterback for all three. Chuck Long? Nope. Ricky, Ricky Stanzi. Okay. The Ricky Stanzi years, he won three in a row, and that's the only other time we've won three bowls in a row. So, um, Ending the season ranked, Hayden did it five straight years in the 80s. So you, you were close. We ended the season ranked 83 through 87. Uh-huh. But for some bizarre reason, in 1986, we uh, did not start the season ranked, even though we went 10-2 and two and went to the Rose Bowl the year before. We were uh, we were not ranked at start 86. So. Have to assume that had to do with Chuck Long deporting to the Detroit Lions. And and Harmon, and yeah, it was yeah. We, there was a, a lot of departures in that uh, that season. We lost Long, Harmon, Larry Station, a lot of talent. So, uh, um, so then preseason ranking, you mentioned being ranked 11th in 2005, but this year being 18th, this is the fifth highest ranking that Ferentz has ever had in, in the Ferentz era. Um, if you want to put a uh, a little damper on expectations for this year, do you remember how those other four se- the four seasons where we ranked higher than 18th? Remember how all those en- all those ended unranked? Not well, yeah, not well. So uh, we were ranked ninth going into 2010, 11th going into 2005, 16th going into 2006, and 17th going into 2016. All of those years ended up unranked. And we lost at least five games in all those years. So, uh, yeah, the old, the old uh, adage of Ferentz's teams rarely uh, hold up to their preseason expectations. Or sadly, uh, sadly, it's true when you when you look at the stat boy information. But uh, gross. Let, let's hope let's hope that doesn't happen this year. Yuck! Don't like that, Biz. Uh, we study history because it has a chance of repeating itself. Let's hope that's not the case this year. Don't like that. No. So the other thing I had Stat Boy look at is, in addition to our uh, preseason and postseason rankings the last few years, is just how how well we've done in developing players and getting them to the NFL in in the last few years. So um, in the last five years, Trent, we've had 20 guys drafted, 
including 14 in the top four rounds. And, and I had him dig back. That's the third best stretch in, in Iowa history uh, as far as having number of guys drafted and number in the, in the top round. So the, the best stretch in Iowa history was 2008 to 2012. In that five-year stretch, we had 25 guys drafted, including 14 in the top four. In the 10, 2010, 2011, and 2012 years, was the only time ever we had three or a first rounder in three straight years. Can you name the first rounder that went in 2010, 2011, 2012? Uh, Brian Bulaga. Bulaga was 2010. Adrian Claiborne. That was 2011. And the 2012? Uh, I'll give you a hint. It was another lineman. Uh, Riley Reef. That is correct, Trent. That is impressive. Nice job. The other stretch where we had uh, an impressive, uh, as many people drafted, you know, go back to the 80s. From 1984 to 1988, we had 22 guys drafted. Um, but four, four of those 22 were drafted in the 10th round or later because the, the draft used to go on forever back then. So in 1986, the year we were just talking about, mm-hmm. we had three guys drafted in the first round. The only time in Iowa history we had three first-round drafts. Oh, I know this one. I, I know this one. It was Harmon, Long, correct, and Mike Haight. That is correct. Yeah, I won. Long. I won a bar bet not too long ago with that one. So that that's how I had that one at the tip of the tip of the tongue. Long went twelfth to the Lions, Harmon sixteenth to the, the Bills, and Haight twenty second to the Jets. So, uh, and Trent, you're you're off to a good start. That boy went all the way back with the draft info, all the way back to the the forties and fifties. <laughs> the funny thing is, back then. We had guys drafted in a four-year stretch in the 27th, 29th, 30th, and 31st rounds. So apparently, apparently the draft went on forever back in the 40s and 50s. So. There's still a chance for the eh, go back to that, and then we can see more fullbacks. We get to see Monty Potabom get drafted. Well, he, 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 if they had a draft for best hairdos, he would uh, get drafted for that. Have you seen his mullet? It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, he he is uh, becoming a, a favorite, I think, here of the DH podcast. He can. Uh, we we need a new favorite because we. we uh, I guess I guess we still have the punter. We've got we've got uh, yeah. for the Tory Taylor, but we, we need a new one each year. We we jump onto somebody, so it might as well be Monty. Monty's our man for this year. Six yeah. one. Well, look at, I mean, looking at Stat Boy's numbers, Trent. There's a lot of reasons. To, to, I mean, the program is in. Really, really good shape right now. I know, obviously, that could all blow up, given what happened last year with the uh, the racial issues. But mm-hmm. certainly, we're, we're on solid ground right now. And again, I think there's every reason to be optimistic going into this season that this team can uh, compete for and, and hopefully win the, the, the Big Ten West. That's good stuff. All right, Step Boy, though, you said you got a, a couple of things going out. Are we looking at the Iowa-Indiana series? Yeah, well, yeah. So we've never, ever had a reason to, to dig into Iowa, Indiana, because quite frankly, in the time that we've done this podcast, there's never been a, an important or relevant Iowa, Indiana game. So uh, I had Stat Boy go back into the time machine and look at the Iowa, Indiana series. So uh, there's some, some fun games to look at. But before we dig into the individual games, Trent, how many times – this was, as you know, Iowa and Indiana both ranked on Saturday. Mm-hmm. How many times have we met Indiana with both of us? 
being ranked in the top 25. I'm going to guess it's happened one other time. I'm going to guess it was in the 80s sometime when Anthony Thompson was running around for the Hoosiers. That's a good guess, but incorrect. Mm-hmm. So um, there, We'll talk about the Anthony Thompson game here in a little bit, but there's two times it's happened previously. 1946, Iowa was number 17, Indiana was number 18. In 1991, we were number 10, and they were number 25. Oh, really? The good news is Trent Iowa won both of those games. So they have, they have never beaten us when both teams are ranked. So make, make sure you uh, invest heavily bet, with that. Bet, bet heavily on the Hawks on Saturday. <laughs> All right. I like that the, the one. Two, the, the, the two-game sample size. Right. Always important to bet when you get one of those. All right. So it's happened twice before. Here we go again 30 years later. 2021. What else from Statboy? So there's four different games that, that he found the, some some crazy matchups between Iowa and Indiana. The f- first one, the last time Iowa and Indiana met to start the season. Do you remember when that was, Trent? It was like it was early in Hayden's uh, career. Let's 1980. Not only was it early in Hayden's career, it was Hayden's first game, first 1979. Game. Do you remember who the coach was for Indiana? Lee Corso. Lee Corso. So. Iowa gets up 26-3 to at the half. Iowa's Hayden's first game. Everybody's celebrating, and then the uh, wheels fall off. We, we lose 30-26. to And uh, looking at that schedule that year, Trent, uh, absurd. We start Indiana. The next two games we have to go at Oklahoma and then versus Nebraska. So uh, we didn't do Hayden any favors with the preseason schedule there. Well, we might be trending that direction here in future years when Iowa State gets off the schedule after 2025. What's going to happen with that, Trent? You've got the insider info. Are they really going to pull the clones from the schedule? If the alliance comes to fruition, if this is something that really happens, and every year Iowa's scheduled to play a Pac-12 team and an ACC team, yeah, it's happening. We will not see the Iowa State game happen, at least for the foreseeable future. Is there a possibility it could be brought up, or there's a two-year stretch where because there's 14 teams in the Big Ten, Iowa says, We'll take a break from the Pac-12 for two years and play Iowa State then? Possibly, but on a yearly basis. If this really happens, we will not see Iowa State every single year. Biz, it's it's crazy from my perspective, moving here to Des Moines now, what, 15 years ago, whatever it is, and the importance of this game. What I do, talking on the radio every single day, what Iowa-Iowa State means, yet I still try to tell people here, you go to where you live, Biz, it's a big deal for a week. It's not the constant conversation that it is here in central Iowa. And I know you, and I agree with this, I would love to see Iowa be able to have a home-and-home with Georgia, with Florida, get an opportunity to play even in North Carolina, a Washington, a program like that, an opportunity to go out there, see a different stadium, see a different part of the world. I like that part. Those Arizona trips, we had a lot of fun going to them, game aside for both of them. But those are fun trips, and to be able to bring that back, I think that's a good thing for Hawkeye fans. I'm in agreement with you, but I also know you're, you've got to be careful saying these things, Trent, because I, I, from what I was told, you predict the clones are going 2-10 and 10 this year. And, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're not in their good graces, so I need to be careful what I say. I don't need, I don't need to become a message board fodder for comments I make, so I'll keep my opinions to myself when it comes to the uh, Iowa and Iowa State series. Uh, well, like I said, you've got the insider info. I don't. But I do. I do. I do find it offensive that you say if the alliance happens, Trent. Did, did you not? <laughs> they looked each other in the eye and said it's going to happen, Trent. They 
those three uh, commissioners are, are men of their word. They all they don't need to sign anything. They look each other in the eye. Is your lawyer? Uh, what would you say if you had a billion dollar corporation that came up and gave you that info? Yeah, we got this great deal happening in front of us. We we did it with a look in the eye and a handshake. What would you say, Mr. Lawyer? Uh, I'd say just look back two weeks before when you, when you thought Oklahoma and Texas had looked everybody in the eye, <laughs> right. and clearly there's a that the whole alliance conversation. The the fact that they had a press conference for that was just an absolute joke. I mean, they literally announced nothing. They announced mm-hmm. that we we kind of maybe might get together five years down the road when all the conferences or all the schedules clear up. So. Uh, yeah, it's not surprising because that's I, I I get why they did it. They had to try to show that they're you know being proactive and, and ready to, to do it. But it was it was a waste of everybody's time to be honest with you. Back to Hoover's and Hawk Hoosiers and Hawkeyes. Hoover, Hoosiers and Hawkeyes. Anything else from Step Boy? Yeah. So the next game, not to be a downer, but another Iowa loss. But 1988. We lose 45 to 34. Mm. Do you remember why that game was so relevant? Chuck Hartley threw for like 700 yards. 558 <laughs> yards from Chuck Hartley. Still a Big Ten record. That You mentioned it earlier, but Anthony Thompson casually ran the ball 47 times that game for Indiana. 47 for 168. While the Hawks ran for a measly minus one yard in the game. So uh, Hartley threw for 558. Nick Bell set a school record with 13 catches. And Marv Cook and Devin Habert for Iowa both had 11 each. So uh, a lot of records set in the losing losing cause. So uh, 558 might be – I mean, I know there's a lot of teams that throw the football a lot these days, but that may be a record that's never broken. It's going to be tough to do, no doubt about it. All right, so 1988 in the books. Anything else? Uh, 2001, Trent. You jump uh, ahead. You remember what happened in 2001? Antoine Bonarell Versus who? Kyle McCann. Well, versus who on the Iowa defense? Ah, uh, oh, who? Campman? Oh, Bob Sanders. Oh, Bob oh, Sanders oh, yeah, game. I go. The 22 tackle game. 25 tackles. 25, oh my God. Yeah, 25 tackles. And you look back, and honestly, that might have been the official kind of turning point for Iowa football. I mean, up until that point, we had shown some, some signs of, of improving, and, you know, Kirk had obviously – gotten slowly better over time, but, you know, Randall L. had absolutely destroyed us the years before, and honestly, he destroyed us that day also. He still had amazing stats, but uh, Sanders gets 25 tackles. We find a way to win, and and that's kind of the springboard to get to a bowl game that year. So, uh, impressive game. 25 tackles, including 14 unassisted. So, uh, not a bad game. 2001. Anything else with the Hoosiers and Hawks? You got one more one, one more to go through, and this one's the most recent of the four to, to go back through the time machine. The 2009 Halloween game. What, what happened that game, Trent? Tyler Sash with the pinball interception down huge, what, 24-7? We were down 21-7. They were driving to score. He gets the, the interception. But even more important than that, we were down 24-14 going into the fourth quarter, and they had the ball to start the fourth quarter. And then they uh, – they punted McNutt 92-yard touchdown, and then the wheels fell off for Indiana. And we uh, outscored them 28 nothing in the fourth. And obviously, we're we're a semi-gambling podcast, Trent. So more importantly, not only does Iowa win, but they miraculously cover 42 to 24. Yeah, they were favored by 17 and a half. They cover as an 18-point victory. Wind at the back. That was important that day. 
at Kinnick Stadium and uh, a fun one as the undefeated run continued there. So a look back at Iowa-Indiana. We'll get to our pick for that game. Quickly before that, though, season prediction, Biz. Let's get you on record. Iowa will finish the regular season with what record? Oh, boy, I'll say 9-3. and three. Um, I think we I think we win this week. I think, unfortunately, we lose to the Clones. As much as I, uh, as much as I like Spencer Petras, I, I don't think he's going to go on the road. And we'll talk, obviously, more about this next week. But I, I think we have a decent chance against Iowa State, but I just don't think first road game in that type of environment doesn't bode well for Iowa. Um, but then after that game, you look at the – Stretch after that, there's no reason we can't get on a roll and win five in a row from uh, after the Iowa State game up through uh, uh, leading into the Wisconsin game. So, But, you know, Iowa, we'll stub our toe somewhere along the line, and then I, I think we'll lose one of the two road games, either Wisconsin or Northwestern as well. So put me down as nine and three and uh, hope, hope for uh, – Chaos in the West and nine and three is good enough to get us to Indianapolis. I got eight and four. I got losses to Iowa State, like you, Wisconsin on the road. I think the Gophers finally get them this season, and then a stupid one Friday night at State out in Maryland. You know, some stupid thing like that. But I'm at eight and four, and prove me wrong. That's where we're going to go. Let's get into our gambling picks this week. How we're going to do it this year? We're going to pick three games every week. We'll pick the Iowa game. We'll pick. A big national game this week. It's Clemson, Georgia. And then our best bet of the week. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. No Cincinnati for me this week. Uh, let's start with Iowa, Indiana. Currently, the Hawkeyes are a three-and-a-half-point favorite this number was at five, five and a half through most of the summer. Uh, looking offshore at some numbers that are coming in, I see that there is plenty of public cash coming in, 71% on the Hoosiers. Hawks laying the three and a half. Biz, what do you got? Well, that those 71% are wrong, Trent. Uh, uh, give me the Hawks, minus three and a half. I, I, I just think, simply, I think we're a better team than they are. I think we got the home home field advantage, I think. You know, Kinnick is going to be rocking. I think, you know, Indiana was a good football team last year, but I think they are the type of team that, that they're kind of like us. They're built to wait for teams to make mistakes, and I just think they're similar to us, but I, I, I think I, I think we're a slightly better team, and we got the home field advantage. So give me the Hawks minus three and a half, and uh, let's hope for the best. Last year, Indiana led the Big Ten in both sacks, and interceptions, they're going to be bringing pressure against that offensive line. I think Iowa can handle it. And I think more importantly, what they try to do offensively, it fits in really well with what Iowa does on the defensive side of the football. You go back to that Ohio State game where Indiana kept coming back against the Buckeyes. They were just throwing jump balls to their good receivers up the sidelines against a pretty depleted Ohio State team at the time in the defensive backfield. That's not going to work against a Phil Parker coach team. I think this is a good matchup for Iowa. I don't believe Indiana's going to be able to run the football effectively enough. I like the Hawks with you. I'm going to lay the points here in week one. Bad news is uh, fading us when we both will go one way has been a winning proposition for the betters throughout the years. Uh, it's a new season, Trent. That doesn't apply this year. Uh, okay, all right. Let's go to game two for us. It is a top five matchup in Charlotte, Georgia. Comes to town to take on Clemson. Clemson 
favored here. What's currently the point spread? He got in front of you. Here it is. I see it currently at a flat three with the Tigers and the Dogs. I, give me the under. Give me under 52 in this game. I, I think both teams uh, working in new quarterbacks. I, I think it'll be uh, a bit of a slugfest early on. So uh, a lot of talent on the field, but I think it'll be a bit of a sloppy game. So I think it'll stay relatively low scoring. So give me under 52. I am going to take Georgia in this one. I'll grab the three points, grab the field goal. I love the squad. I love the talent. Not a big Kirby fan overall, but certainly like this team. I bought them a little bit in some futures. And even if they lose this game to Clemson, I think I'm going to be buying back in with some futures with Georgia as that price is going to get better. But I'll take the dogs here. Put my money where my mouth is. Like Georgia coming into the season, I will grab the three points. We finish up with our best bet of the week. And, Biz, I'm going something different here. It's not an underdog for me here in week one. No, not going that direction. I'm actually going to take a favorite. I am fading what many people consider one of the live dogs of the weekend, the Raging Cajuns, one of our favorite teams here after what they did in week one a season ago, going to Texas to take on the Longhorns. I'm buying Sark. I'm buying the talent of Texas. Everybody says, oh, they're going to be in trouble here. I'm not buying it. I'll lay the eight and a half. Give me Texas in week one. I'll give, I'm going with uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines, Trent. I, I, Everybody's down on Harbaugh. I, I don't think they're a great team by any means, but Harbaugh's teams generally get out the gate all right. If you remember a few years ago, they, they whooped up on Florida. Last year they went and absolutely destroyed Minnesota to start the year. Uh, Western Michigan is a, a mediocre middle-of-the-road MAC team. Michigan's only getting 17. I, I think uh, Harbaugh is going to want to try to make a statement in this one, and I think he'll keep the uh, the pedal to the metal. I think Michigan wins by three touchdowns or more. So, but Give me the Fighting Harbaugh's minus 17. Going with Michigan minus 17. Those are our picks for this week. We'll keep an eye on it throughout the season, and hopefully you can fade us and make some money. That's been working in the past for a lot of people out there. Biz, before we leave, uh, Biz's beat of the week coming up, but anything before that? No, I don't think so, Trent. It's just good, good to be back. Like I said, it's uh, going to be awesome to be in Kinnick Stadium this week. Uh, It'd be a different view. We apparently we now have a uh, a hotel right next to where we tailgate instead of a, a bunch of trees. Yeah, gonna be a little bit different, but uh, we'll still find a time to to have find a way to have a good time coming up this weekend and dominate you in Can Jam as always. Get ready, the heat's coming for you bright and early on Saturday morning. It's time to get out of here. Before that, though, each and every week, it's time for business beat. Hey, kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. Trent, I assume by now you've seen it, but the, the story of the, uh, the fake football team that made it to, played on ESPN is absolutely incredible to me. That is, if, if that's not uh, kind of a microcosm of our society nowadays, is that we... we uh, not not only is there a team out there that doesn't even associate it with the high school, but uh, they can they can fake it and make it all the way onto ESPN and play. So uh, I actually randomly watched about a minute and a half of that game, um, and didn't realize till later that it was a, a team that was not even in existence, to be honest with you. But uh, watching a minute and a half of that game, that, that game could have been a uh, hundred to nothing very easily if they wanted it to be. So. Uh, you, you and I, we should create uh, some sort, of, some sort of a made-up team here in Iowa. And I think we, we, 
you, you can use your connections to, to get us on at least a Mediacom channel or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we could make that happen. We'd have a good time with it. Don't know how good they'd be, but we'd have a good time with it. It's an incredible story from the coach that has a warrant out to his, for his arrest. The address for this place in Columbus, this high school, is just some office park. It is one thing after another. It's an incredible story. One of the wildest things uh, already here of 2021. Biz, well, when we talk again, outside of, I'm sure, a few text messages, I'll see you at the parking lot. I'll be raring to go with the Des Moines crew, and tailgate season is here. Go Hawks.